um, whenever time or and budget allows um, is they go with a blended learning solution where it, uh, like she mentioned with the videos, right? So she's giving the videos up front to give the person the opportunity to kind of think about how they feel about this information on their own. And then they bring them together and then they start a discussion, right? So there's these multiple, uh, there's several different pieces that come into play and it gives the, the learner the opportunity because we all learn differently, right? Mm -hmm. it, it gives us, everybody, the opportunity to experience it you know, on their own, figure out how they feel about it, and then bring those thoughts and discussions to the table. Because I think because of the sensitive nature of some of these conversations, it's tough to put somebody on the spot and then demand that they give you a response or engage in a discussion without allowing them time to really process how they feel or, or what they understand about the topic. Diversity and inclusion is, is one thing, but I think you could apply that same philosophy to a lot of different areas too. Manya, the host of Your Greatest Work podcast. This is a show for course creators and thought leaders who are creating a learning experience for their audience. I'm going to help you in this podcast by bringing on guest speakers and having great discussions with people from around the world on how to create really amazing learning experiences that get great results for learners. That's what we're here for, right, folks? Well, enjoy this next episode. Hello, and thank you for joining me, Calvin and Belinda. It is so nice to have you both here on this conversation. This is my first um, interview where I'm chatting with two people at the same time. So I'm really looking forward to this and hoping that I can uh, be quiet long enough to let you both speak and not talk over you. But wow, I'm so thrilled to have you here all the way from St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm up here in Toronto and we both have snow. So how is that possible? I don't know. It's a weird world at the moment. But um, we're going to have a very special conversation today about um, diversity and equity and inclusion and how that looks in our training. Both Calvin, you and Belinda have kind of slightly different approaches at the moment when it comes to incorporating this training. So I'm really thrilled that you've agreed to join me. And I think that those listening are going to have a lot to learn, and I'm hoping we can keep our conversation really um, tactical so people might be able to pull some stuff out of this when they think about creating their own training or when they think about um, their own kind of personal growth mindset around this topic. Thank you so much for having us. Thank We're you. excited as well. Amazing. Well, Calvin and I, we kind of met through LinkedIn um, a number of months ago and have had some conversations around your e-learning business and your freelance. And you've got some great courses that you're creating um, through e-learning. They're really creative and really fun and cool digital stuff. So tell me about your most recent project. What are you working on at the moment around this topic of diversity and inclusion? Yeah, well, um, and, and first off, thank you for having us. This, we're really excited about it. But I guess to, to talk about the most recent project, I've, I've got to start with... Um, kind of where I started in terms of just developing e-learning to begin with. Um, one of the things that was really important for me, I, I specialize in animation um, and creating those short videos that you see with the hand, the whiteboard and the handwriting on the whiteboard and the characters walking across the screen. But when I started doing that, I was really intentional about picking characters that looked like me, that didn't look like me, um, and trying to show uh, the reality of our world as it is, right? Not everybody looks the same. And so... Mm -hmm. When I did that, um, a lot of the, the animations 
really took on a, a, a different look and feel than anything I had ever seen um, really done consistently. And so uh, I got somebody reached out to me and said, hey, we, we'd love to have you uh, work on a course. We're actually requesting everybody submit samples. And so they sent okay. over a script and it was all about allyship. And um, what they wanted was they mentioned in their script that they wanted diverse characters. And so I did my normal thing. I put a bunch of diverse characters in there, uh, men, women, black, white, um, Muslim, you mm -hmm. name it in the in the video. And uh, when they got back to me, they said, you were the only person to put characters that were not white men in the video. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so that literally landed me the the opportunity to work with this organization. And uh, and since we, we've kind of built um, a series of five really cool videos all around allyship. So they talk on touch on just some of those really difficult conversations in the workplace, scenarios that we find ourselves in all the time where maybe our boss is repeatedly using a microaggression or referring to somebody by the wrong pronoun. And they're asking questions about how would you handle this conversation? What would you do in this situation? And so they're using the animated videos in their e-learning program to really spark some conversation around those topics. That's cool. Um, and yeah, this can be a challenging topic in an e-learning, right? Because I think what we want to avoid doing is having people just click next through the scenarios to hurry up and finish. I think we mm -hmm. really want this to land, right? And so what are you seeing or have there been any mechanisms to kind of follow up to see, um, you know, how people have come out of this e-learning and what they're feeling or what they're doing differently? We haven't really gotten that far yet, but um, I think in actually some of the conversations that Belinda and I have had around um, just the importance of starting those conversations in a training environment and giving people the opportunity to have discussions um, is really important. So I, in terms of, we haven't rolled it out yet, um, mm -hmm. just the creation of all of the, the um, deliverable pieces, but I'm excited to see what happens whenever they do start putting people through the program. Well, and I also think that um, from what you described to me, the program, the animated videos are not um, used for someone to be sitting at their desk by themselves, watching it and clicking through it, mm -hmm. that it is meant in a group setting for them to watch this video together to bring the situation to the forefront, yeah. which then prevents that clicking through, not really paying attention um, type of training. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That sounds really cool. So like they can use this as a thought starter in a meeting or as something that they're watching, you know, in a group huddle. Is that kind of how it's being used? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I probably described it the wrong way. Yeah. No, that's okay. I probably had yeah. a bias in my mind as I was listening. <laughs> no worries. It's, it's really, yeah, they're like micro learning. So they're really mm -hmm. videos, two minute videos um, depicting a scenario. And at the end of it, you can, it, they say, you know, the character is feeling really down because they feel like they're the only one dealing with this and nobody is talking about this issue in a real way. Well, and so especially with this micro learning, both of us have included this in the trainings that we either create or present or facilitate. Um, when we're working with companies, we talk to them about creating a culture around having these conversations and it not um, being a situation where their workers are getting the information in one training and That's they're, right. they're talking about it and leaving. All of the trainings that we have done, especially this year and the conversations we have talked about how 
Um, it needs to be multiple trainings and multiple opportunities to have these conversations that build off of each other, um, that allow for having uncomfortable conversations and really getting to um, the heart of issues is something that's a part of their culture so that it becomes easier. Because absolutely at first, when these issues are brought to the forefront, um, they bring on a lot of emotion and a lot of feelings, um, positive and negative. And being able to get the information, talk about it, take some time to process it, and then come back together as a group is a way that really allows it to um, be more beneficial and become um, less uncomfortable and more a part of this is what we do. This is our culture. This is how we want um, our spaces to become inclusive and things along those lines. So even the trainings that um, Calvin is doing for, for other companies, they're very much so like they're smaller and you come back to it every week or you come back to it every so um, every couple of weeks or whatever the timeline is. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the trainings that I'm facilitating also, um, they are always in a series, right? So it's it's usually a speaker series or a workshop series um, so that it's not just one. Yeah. One off or training. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because obviously it's, there's years of, um, years of ingrained behavior that are being, um, looked at here, right? Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. years of communication that are being adjusted and shattered and rebuilt, right? So there's a lot that is at play here. And when we think about, you know, our, our brain and how it functions, most of us initially function based on emotion, right? It's that kind of primal brain. It's the mm -hmm. fear, it's the excitement, mm -hmm. it's the embarrassment, it's the awkwardness. You know, a lot of people don't, they don't, they, they can have a hard time moving past that, right? Into the rational brain. So um, it is important, right? For that repetition to be able to be accessing the, that emotional center and get people to have awareness and then start to slowly recognize, okay, what can I do differently? And can I feel safe practicing something that feels hard and scary? Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. In order for it to make, to become part of that culture and to become like a more um, ingrained behavior shift. So I'm really curious, um, Belinda, about exactly what you're doing. You work for the university. It's the law school, correct? Yes. And so um, what, what exactly are you um, teaching people or, or how are you facilitating this? Could you just describe it a little bit more? Absolutely. So, when I focus on the students, um, we start interacting, our office starts interacting with the students even before they get to the law school. So um, we have used actually animated videos for them to really sit, um, get some information. They're a little longer, they're about 10 minutes, but still short enough for them to their brain to not wander, right? So in the summer before they come to the law school, they're, um, they're looking at about three 10 minute videos that talk about things that a lot of like first generation law school students would come in and experience things like imposter syndrome or stereotype threat. Um, so they have the opportunity to watch these videos and then we come together, they're invited to come to a larger group discussion to talk about these things, to combat it even before they get to the law school. Like these may be some feelings that come up. Mm -hmm. Let's let's brainstorm some ways on how we could 
Um, if they do come up, what, what are some steps that you can take to combat them, to change them, um, to help you get through them? Because for many students, it is a reality, um, mm. getting ahead of it. So we start before they get there. Then during orientation week, every student participates in um, eliminating bias or um, under allyship training. So it's, again, those breadcrumbs before you get their orientation. And then we facilitate what we call courageous conversations throughout the year. Okay. So opportunity to expand more on the topics that were brought up in orientation or pre-law school, the opportunity for um, students to really hear each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they are outlined in like, we are going to talk about this topic, but there's no like, there's not a huge structure. It's not very rigid. It's not, we're only going to watch this PowerPoint and, and then you'll go and have your lunch. It's here's a topic. Let's come to the table together. Let's um, have discussions around it. These, these are issues. Um, This year we talked about having difficult conversations, period. That could Mm -hmm. be any type of difficult conversation. We talked about how to, um, have conversations with your family around politics. Um, we talked about allyship as um, as students and how that shows up in the classroom. So um, the opportunity every month for them to have some sort of conversation around this. So it's again, a part of the culture of us um, analyzing these issues, having conversations around it, bringing our um, emotions to the conversation as well. That's cool. And what's the format of these Courageous Conversations workshops? They are um, an hour long. They're during the, the noon hours. And um, this year, they have been over Zoom. Right. Um, they have been over Zoom with the opportunity to also have smaller breakout. Um, Zoom has a function where you could have breakout rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I have given prompts. Um, questions for them to take to their smaller breakout rooms to, so that everyone is really talking and having um, the opportunity to have discussion around whatever the prompt is. So I mentioned the different topics of um, the different workshops. Uh, so breakout rooms is one aspect of it. We, we have the larger section where like I give them a little bit of information where it's like, here's some tips on how to have difficult conversation um, they go into the breakout rooms, they do the prompts, but then we also do hypothetical situations so that they're practicing it. Right. Um, it's it's very easy to say, oh, I get it. I understand it. I, I listened to the PowerPoint. I, I know how to do this. Right. And then if they if students get into this conversation in real life and they haven't practiced it, it's like, oh, yeah, it's super scary to practice it yeah. when it's sink or swim. Right. Exactly. It's <laughs> like, I don't actually know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like you have to have these, um, practice conversations where, um, it's not such a high risk, you mm-hmm. know, where you can make mistakes and you're not going to, you know, be punched in the face or, mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 or like, or sued or fired, yeah. or I don't even yeah. know, like, you know, where the, where the um, risks aren't so high. Absolutely. And, and I would say that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was, I was going to just add in that a lot of the things that I talk about and even some podcast recordings um, that I've already put out, it's like, you have to give people an opportunity to practice on something where it's not like um, where a fear of failure isn't going to ruin them. 
So I have an analogy of you have to learn to sew a pincushion before your wedding dress. You know, like if you come and go, okay, I've never sewed, but I want to make my wedding dress. It's like, holy failure about to happen. But like, let's just start making a pincushion, you know, and it's the same kind of scenario with this topic. It's important to be able to put people in a position where it's safe and they can um, try something out and go, oop, that wasn't the right approach. Okay, let's try it again and, and and have some feedback. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is, is, uh, you don't rise to the, we don't rise to the occasion. We sink to our level of training. And, um, especially in these kind of types of conversations to the point that you all are making about the, um, how emotional they can be is a lot of times we, we, we aren't thinking logically when we get into these conversations at times. And so the opportunity to practice and actually train our bodies to be able to sift through what's an emotional response and, um, what is what is going to actually move the conversation forward is a really important thing to practice where, like you said, the stakes aren't as high and um, we can all learn together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see. Um, I <laughs> This is fresh in my brain, but I've recently had a conversation with a neuroscientist. And we were talking about how to kind of work with the primal brain and that center of emotions that are in the limbic system and yeah, his analogy was the rational brain is like a rider and the primal brain is like an elephant. I see the mm-hmm. elephant behind you, yeah. you in your Zoom call there. And it's like the elephant, you can only control that as much as it's willing to be controlled. But mm-hmm. as soon as it, you know, its trunk goes up and it's ready to run, you have no control over that thing. So it's it's just like what you were saying, Calvin. Um, you know, you have to be able to have that foundation of training so that when you're in that highly emotional charged state and you can feel your face flushing and you're like, Oh, how is this going to go? And that sinking feeling in your stomach, the primal brain's already taken over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you have to be able to overcome that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I learned doing these, these scenarios with this company is, is it's, it's good to feel that. So you know what it feels like in the moment. Right. I mean, I remember working on these videos and going to Belinda and saying, Hey, um, this is really upsetting to me. Am I am I animating this the right way? Because it's making me feel something. And so I want to create a different facial expression on the character that's maybe angry because that's what it makes me feel. And uh, having her come back and say, no, they should really just be surprised or curious because that is, that's, you're closer to this than they are, right? And so um, you have a personal experience with it. And so for mm. me, eyes comes up in those moments where I'm just reading a script. But wow. I think, how you know you've got a good a good scenario or a good uh, discussion starter is if it creates the opportunity for a person to feel something, then you can actually highlight for them that that's that's the emotional response. So remember that, process it and think through it, but then shift it to okay, how can I build a conversation around this? How can we have a, an intentional dialogue that actually helps people learn versus being an emotional kind of back and forth? Yeah, absolutely. The best hypotheticals generate emotion and I and I know as a facilitator um you want that scenario you want emotion to come to the participants as a facilitator you need to take a step back and acknowledge that Mm -hmm. emotion too you Mm -hmm. need to you need to let them know that an emotional response is normal in this situation Mm -hmm. actually warranted and you wanted it to happen and help them process through that because they have to be validated in that emotion before they can move on to their rational brain. That's a really good point. And I think as we are putting on our 
learning experience designer hats for a minute. We know that adults need to have scenarios that are as close to real life as possible in order for us to buy in, right? If adults can sniff out the uh, falseness pretty fast Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and and to your point, um, it is important to have people involved in the design that have some real life experience no matter what the topic, but especially in this topic, because it can be fake really fast if you have the mm-hmm. wrong people designing this. So that can be kind of a lesson to those people who are creating any of this kind of training is to make sure that you've got the right people's input so that it's real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Being in contact with people that have that lived experience. That's really important for teams to be diverse and companies and things like that. Or even if you are a solopreneur that you have a connection of people that you can reach out to that have very different lived experiences than you so that they can point out your blind spots and point Mm -hmm. areas that you had no clue existed. Right. Yeah. And this um, community of practice really, and I, I feel like learning and development is doing a pretty good job of this, you know, like let's say compared to other industries where there's not a lot of collaboration, but right now online, there feels to be a really strong collaborative learning and development community where people are reaching out for their own personal growth as freelancers, as entrepreneurs, and they're, you know, asking questions like, what can I learn or how can I do things differently? And I think that's really cool. And that's what this platform is about. You know, it's for people to be able to learn from others that have diverse perspectives and experiences, and then hopefully draw on some of that for their own, um, their own content or their own delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that that um, Belinda does really well at, at the law school is um, whenever time or and budget allows, um, is they go with a blended learning solution where mm-hmm. it, you know. Uh, like she mentioned with the videos, right? So she's giving the videos up front to give the person the opportunity to kind of think about how they feel about this information on their own. And then they bring them together and then they start a discussion, right? So there's these multiple, uh, there's several different pieces that come into play and it gives the the learner the opportunity because we all learn differently, right? Mm-hmm. It, it gives us, everybody, the opportunity to experience it, you know, on their own, figure out how they feel about it and then bring those thoughts and discussions to the table because, I think because of the 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 sensitive nature of some of these conversations, it's tough to put somebody on the spot and then demand that they give you a response or engage in a discussion without allowing them time to really process how they feel or, or what they understand about the topic. Mm-hmm. I, you know, diversity and inclusion is is one thing, but I think you could apply that same philosophy to a lot of different areas too, um, as opposed to what we've traditionally seen in this, in our, in our learning and development world is, you know, here's the topic, you got two minutes to think about it. And then we're going to have a big 45 minute discussion around it. Right. Yeah. Like the of people. And um, thinking about learning in the flow of work. So when people are at work and let's just say a manager is preparing for a one-on-one or for a hiring interview, or I don't know, maybe a difficult conversation, Um, Belinda, do you have any tools or are you giving people any resources so that they can quickly access this or get support or like maybe practice something just before one of these hard conversations? Or do you have any maybe ideas or tips for um, how you could brush up real quick (laughs) before you have these 
because not all conversations happen, you know, as you're just walking around and it sometimes can be hard to draw on your training in those moments. But are there any places or resources that you can think of? And maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, but where people could access and learn as they're working or, or as they're about to have a planned challenging conversation. So um, <laughs> I can't think of anything for right on the spot. I do know that most um, of the trainings out there encourage, get the information first and then synthesize it um, when it comes to having this information. So I have seen that so many um, managers, um, partners at law firms, they don't have the information, mm. don't have that foundation first to even draw on how to have the difficult conversation or how to um, participate in these type of scenarios. So being able to sit and get that information, educate themselves on it, attend a training, because another thing that I do say in whatever training that I facilitate is this is a foundation. This is a foundation to open your eyes to an area that you didn't know existed that you can now individually go and expound on. So Mm -hmm. being able to have that continual self-education in, in those topics and in those, um, in those situations so that when it does happen, you're able to draw on it, right? You're able to draw on your experience because even going through notes that you've taken um, one time from a training is not going to help you. Mm -hmm. But if you are constantly reading about it, listening to a podcast, um, Brene Brown has an amazing podcast that goes along with her book, her books, plural, Mm -hmm. Uh, Dare to Lead, where she talks a, a lot about building spaces of inclusion and, and creativity um, and more diverse workspaces. So if you're if you're um, scaffolding and um, you're learning, so you're attending a conference, you're listening to a podcast, you're reading a book, you're you're having um, a cup of coffee with someone and just that has a different lived experience than you. You're able to draw from all of those different um, resources to then use it in practice. But it's very hard to do that with just one um, form of retraining. That's right. It's definitely an ongoing development. It's not a one and done. And um, yeah, and so it's, you know, it is interesting and it could be interesting in some of these larger communities where, um, you know, for example, I've, I've talked about this a few times, but the global learning and development meetup, you know, there's like a thousand people from yeah. literally all around the world on those calls. And, you know, it would be interesting in some of these situations to be able to have some specific topics, uh, you know, where you can practice or continue to learn from other people and, and their di- di- diverse um, experiences from all around the world. Um, mm-hmm. I love being able to be curious like that. Yeah, so that's a really good point that it's important to always stay curious and continue to be learning um, no matter what. Well, and even, um, yeah, the it, you mentioned the, the Global Learning Development Meetup. Um, I've been on there a few times and uh, it, it's interesting. I've, I've always gone with a specific topic in mind. Like I wanna talk to people about sales enablement and how they're doing that for whatever organization or if they've done any type of design. And, and what I think is interesting about sales enablement when it, you know, when you compare it to um, how people are trying to train diversity and inclusion, especially in e-learning or uh, virtually these days, 
is that everybody has their own approach, but at the core of that approach is the idea of that it is not a one-time event, right? It has to be ongoing. It has to be continued. And really to get the best results, you need to pull in new ideas and find different ways. So I think just asking the question, um, you know, what would you do in this scenario if you know you're going to have a difficult conversation or if you're, you're walking into, um, you know, a meeting that has the potential to, to go off the rails, um, preparing by just asking other people the same question of what would you do in this situation? And just, I mean, starting there um, mm. enough to get them to start thinking about ideas of how they would, how they want to handle that situation. Yeah, that that's a really good point. Um, okay. I'd like to change topics. Um, I, I wanted to actually also talk a little bit about buy-in. Um, so is it hard right now, or maybe just describe your experiences or how we can recommend the importance of creating this kind of additional training for if we work for an organization. I think, you know, at the, probably at the leadership level, people are aware that this is something that needs to be included. And for the most part, I think people have tried to include this, you know, big businesses have tried, I don't know how successfully, (laughs) Um, but are you seeing any resistance or are you finding people are really eager for this, um, for this learning at the moment? What are you, what are you seeing? Um, this year is a year of the great awakening is what I've been calling it. Um, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the events that happened in the States this summer around the murder. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Um, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, those very um, traumatic events were happened to all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, it really woke up a lot of companies, organizations, institutions, nonprofits to say, we need to do something internally in order for us to really do our part in fixing the larger institute uh, systemic issues. Mm-hmm. So many organizations have reached out to really both of us in that they are hungry for this type of information. They want to create that change in their spaces of work. Um, they realize that there are a lot of people that work in their spaces that aren't showing up as their authentic selves because they don't feel like they can mm-hmm. or that um, they have not previously talked about how the outside world is affecting now that person's ability to show up as their best selves and their most productive selves and their most creative selves because they stuff is going on outside of the workplace and Mm. um, managers and um, supervisors are realizing that they need um, and not ignore them as if they don't exist. If they want their staff and their workers to really um, do their best. So um, on the one hand, it's a workplace's ability to really be there for their staff as people, but then also on the business side, you know, that people are their most productive when they feel valued um, so it, they're able to do both of those, um, they're, they're able to reach both of those targets when it comes to doing these types of training. That's good. Yeah. So it sounds the buy, it sounds like there is buy-in and there's definitely a lot of interest and people are becoming more open. So that's really good news. Um, well, this conversation 
has been really valuable. And I feel like it's taken maybe even a slightly different approach than what I had um, initially thought we were going to talk about, um, you know, just kind of skills and, you know, facilitation skills and course development skills. But I'm really pleased with how this conversation has gone. And um, I thank you so much for your insight and what you're doing in your workplaces and on platforms like this, you know, just being able to have these conversations with me and um, with the listeners here. And I'd like both of you to be able to have the last word. Um, so I'm going to say thank you now for being on here. And is there anything that you'd each like to say to kind of close, you know, close up our call and anything you'd like to piece of advice for listeners? Yeah, um, I guess I, I'll end it with, um, and this is, we started a, a long list of like engagement strategies that we can use while we're doing virtual facilitation. And they, it started out because I did a terrible webinar and I was one of those people that you look at it afterwards and it was just terrible. <laughs> and so I was like, how can we get better? So we started this long list. And at the top of the board, I wrote that learning is an intentional act. And it's a quote that I got from somewhere else. And I think that especially when we go into trying to teach people how to have these conversations and um, start the dialogue is is to remember that learning is an intentional act. And so we should start any of those engagements with that question is, are you are you in a space where you can receive learning or where you're open minded to having a discussion to hearing a perspective that's different than yours and, and meeting people where they are? And if they're not ready right now, that's OK, too. Um, mm. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, from my perspective, when I'm developing e-learning is that people are ready to receive the information, ready to engage with an open mind. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, as adults, nobody's going to nobody's going to force you to open your mind if it's already closed. So yeah. I think we need to keep that in mind um, every time we approach, you know, these types of trainings, these types of conversations. Absolutely. Along with making sure that people are ready to receive it when they are presenting the information in many different modalities. Um we mentioned earlier that people learn differently. So when you are presenting the information, um, have videos, have audio, have the opportunity for them to engage with the information, whether that is in breakout sessions or answering hypotheticals, so that um, it's something that stays with them. If they are working with it and analyzing it, they're able to um, practice it not only in that moment, but later on. But then also making sure that it is an ongoing process, that it isn't just um, that one time that you were talking about this issue, that it becomes a part of the culture. And then for the participants and the learners, treat it as um, Calvin said, like you are a learner and be intentional about it and um, have a growth mindset around it. Know that even if you're not where you want to be now, that if you keep working at it, you can get better at it. We are amazing in our ability to um, learn something, practice it, and get better at it. Our brains are made to do that. That's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you approach any um, situation like that, whether it is learning how to be a better manager or learning how to be a better ally to your coworkers or your friends, it's something that you can get better at and everyone um, can continue to learn on how to do and have these conversations in a more productive and, and useful way. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were able to pull something really useful out of this episode. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation. 
please contact us if you'd like to learn more about anything that we've discussed or if you need help creating your next learning experience. We've got lots of great ways to work together and I would love to have a conversation to see if it might be the right fit. Also consider leaving us a review and definitely subscribe so you don't miss out on any interesting topics that could really help you in your journey. Thank you.